It's a joy to be with you. Uh, wish you. It's a great way to start. It's a joy to be with you this morning. It really is an encouragement uh, to me to be here. So please turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Uh, Mark chapter 1. And today we're going to learn about how does Jesus interact with a leper. What you have to understand is that in uh, Old Testament Mosaic law, leprosy wasn't necessarily what we think of today of leprosy as Hansen's disease, but it encompassed a variety of skin diseases um, and rashes. And if you were contagious, you were considered unclean in ancient Jewish uh, law. So I want you to ask yourself as we read this passage, this question, how does Jesus respond to the leper? How does Jesus respond to uncleanness? So with that question in mind, would you please give your attention to the good news about how Jesus responds to a person in need of cleansing. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And the leper came to him, that is Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out, and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter." It's God's word, and he gives it to us because he loves us, and it is absolutely true. Let me pray for us. Father, we do thank you for this word, and we thank you that we can come into your presence to worship you, the creator of all things, and that uh, the foolishness of the cross is actually what binds us together and what binds us to you. And so we thank you for that. As we hear about how you respond to the leper, and uh, Lord, how you respond to people who are unclean. We ask this in the name of the cleanser himself, Jesus Christ. Amen. In Nathaniel Hawthorne's classic, The Scarlet Letter, the main character, Hester Prynne, is fated to wear the scarlet letter A on her chest as a punishment for her crime. And Hawthorne, brilliantly, in my opinion, never actually records the deed. He never tells us the story, but, you know, it doesn't take too much imagination to figure out what happened. Hester was married to another man, and she was pregnant with another man's child. And so the town people made her wear the scarlet letter on, a che- on her chest to warn other people to say, look, this is this kind of woman. And it was a warning, and what it was really saying was, she's unworthy for our community. Don't go near her. And in fact, that 17th century Puritan community of Boston actually made uh, Hester Prynne live outside of the village, outside of the city alone, because she was unworthy to live within that covenant community. And I tell you that story because that helps us understand a little bit what it must have been like for the leper in ancient Jewish society. Because you see, the leper didn't have an L on his chest, but he might as well have. Because he had to live outside of the village, outside of the covenant community, alone, away from his family and friends, uh, with other people who were unclean like himself. And he had to tear his clothes so that you knew that he was unclean. And if you got too close to him, he had to cover his mouth and go, hey, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. 
Can you imagine that? If we did that today? And what he was really saying is, I'm unworthy to live in community with you. And in fact, uh, you know, nobody ever invited him over for lunch after church. Nobody invited him to a play date with their kids. And nobody invited him to the Super Bowl. You know, he was eating chips and dip alone by himself. But here's the thing. In rabbinic tradition, uh, what they said was that to heal a leper was akin to raising someone from the dead. I mean, when was the last time you wanted to touch a dead person? That, practically and societally, was their position. They were practically dead. And that's how we're supposed to read this story. Look, the leprosy, the physical ailments of this guy mattered. Absolutely. But what mattered more is what it signified to him. That this man was unworthy for community. And he couldn't participate in the life of Israel and the Jewish community. And we can all relate to that part of this, right? Maybe not all of us, all of us here have had leprosy. I mean, I had some boils back in the day. High school, you know, men's locker rooms are really not the cleanest places. Um, so maybe we've had some of that, right? But, but, but really, the way that we can relate to the leper is that, imagine this. Imagine if everyone you met, your deepest sins and secrets and past mistakes were broadcasted on your chest for all to see. You go, hey, I'm Mike, and there's an L. Oh, you're a liar. Or an A. Oh, you're an adulterer. Oh, A, you have a lot of anger in your life. Oh, P, you're, you're prideful. Oh, gee, you're going to gossip about me. I'm not going to tell you anything. None of us would ever want to hang out with each other, right? And you guys deep down know that. And I know that. And that's how we can relate to the leper. And the question is, or really the statement is, how much more unworthy are we than the leper? Because the leper and Hester Prynne had to wear it publicly, but we kind of mingle with each other and act like we're still worthy to be uh, in community when deep down we have these other things going on. So the question is, uh, what do we do with that unworthiness? with those thoughts, with those past mistakes that nobody knows about. The things that we think about when we meet people that we're really glad they don't know. What do we do with our unworthiness and our uncleanness? And that's where we can learn from the leper. Because the leper, on his leprous knees, in verse 40, begs Jesus to cleanse him. And he says, if you will, you can make me clean. You can almost imagine the leper getting on his knees in front of Jesus, and maybe he's still covering his mouth. But alienation and wanting to belong to the community has driven him to the healer, and he can't help himself. And that's what we must do with things that make us unworthy. We have to beg Jesus to cleanse us. But the good news of the passage for the leper, and the good news for us, is how Jesus responds. The good news is that Jesus makes us worthy for community when we beg him. That he's willing and he makes us worthy. So the question is, how does Jesus make us worthy? Um, Three points, classic, right? Um, And there's even an alliteration uh, with the letter C. So that doesn't always happen. Actually, it never happens. So um, he does it in three ways. Jesus makes us worthy first by cleansing us, then by commanding us, and third, because Jesus bears the cost. Cleanses, commands, bears the cost. So first point, Jesus makes us worthy by cleansing us. Um, And he does it in two ways. He cleanses us in two ways. First, he touches us. If you notice in verse 41, it says, Jesus is deeply moved and he reaches out his hand and he touches the man. You can almost see uh, the guys on his knees. You can see Jesus grabbing his jaw and looking him up so that his his gaze reaches the leper's gaze. 
you have to understand, this might have been the first time that this leper has been touched in days, weeks, maybe years. Because if you touched a leper, you would risk becoming unclean like the leper. Um, and, and, you know, I found this out that uh, in, the, in the womb, the first sense that develops for a baby is touch. So before a baby sees or hears or smells, a baby feels. And this is why the, it's so tragic in orphanages um, across the world where, where babies are dying. And one of the major contributing factors is that they're not touched. They're not cuddled. They're not snuggled. Like, that is intrinsic to what it means to be a human being, is that we need touch. And even as adults, um, the largest organ, the largest sense organ on our body is skin. It's what we touch things with. But um, to to be a human being, uh, it means that we touch things. And so before Jesus restores the leper's skin, he restores a part of his humanity. Because Jesus is not troubled by our uncleanness. And he doesn't shrink back from touching us. Have you ever been touched like that? Remember men uh, went, men, when? Uh, Early in my marriage, um, sometimes what you do in marriage is you sin against your spouse. And I had actually lied to my wife about something and um, because it was going to make me look bad and I knew she'd be disappointed. We all do that sometimes. Um, but it was just a grating at me. And so the whole day I had a pit in my stomach because I knew I had to tell her. And I remember I came home and I was standing in uh, the living room. My wife had just gotten done doing the dishes and she was in the kitchen. And in between us was the kitchen counter, which was a barrier symbolically of what I had done to our relationship because of my lie. And I remember I told her and... Um, I was losing it. And I remember all she did, she didn't say a word. All she did was walk around. And she put her arms out. And I actually thought she was going to punch me. Because um, that's what I would have deserved. Um, but instead she just wrapped her arms around me. She put her head on my chest. And that's it. She didn't say a word. She just touched me. And I remember thinking in that moment, maybe she still loves me. Because she's willing to touch me. In my uncleanness. In my unworthiness. And as an aside, uh, something I've had to repent of lately with my children is that sometimes when children, uh, you know, they need to be disciplined, they need to be instructed, that's biblical. Sometimes, maybe what a child needs is when, when they do something wrong and they know they're wrong and they're repentant for it, maybe they just need a hug from their dad, from their mom. Because there's something about touch that does something more uh, than words. And so that begs the question... Why would Jesus touch the leper? Because that must have been what the leper felt like. For once in his life, maybe somebody in this world still loves him because he's willing to touch him. Why would Jesus touch him and risk becoming unclean? I mean, it's the same question of why would a mom care for a sick kid and risk becoming sick herself? Because Jesus wants to. He he just wants to do it. Look, Look at verse 41. After touching the diseased man... Jesus utters the most beautiful words in response to this man's request. He goes, I want to be cleansed. You know, the word here translated will uh, is a word that can be translated want, wish, will, desire. It's a word that encompasses the will and the affections. And and that is Jesus' stance towards sinners, towards unworthy people. I want to. Um, Jesus wants to cleanse us. 
You know, this is captured really well in Milton's uh, Paradise Lost, the epic poem, where um, uh, Satan and his minions have just been defeated in heaven. They're thrown into the abyss. And the father is talking to the throng, the heavenly throng. And he's telling them, hey, look, Satan is about to escape. He's about to go to the garden where the happy couple, Adam and Eve, are going to, because of free will, they're going to give in. And they're going to disobey. They're going to be deceived. And that is going to bring sin and misery and decay into this world. And somebody's going to have to pay for it if we can make it right. If we're going to renew this world and redeem it, somebody's got to pay for it. Who's willing to do it? Who's willing to receive my wrath for justice? And there's silence. Nobody can take that cup from the Father. And then Jesus, the Son... Milton writes, says this, Behold me then, me for him. Life for life I offer. On me let thine anger fall. And then a little while later, the father responds, So, heavenly love shall outdo hellish hate. You see, only the love of Jesus for sinners is willing to cleanse us for our hellish actions. That's what the gospel is, and that's Jesus' stance towards us, because he wants to. And the question is, you know, do you believe that? I mean, in our culture, uh, the myth is that as Christians, we're supposed to act like we have it all together. That, that's what people believe about Christians. That's why it's so awesome. The media and everyone else loves it when somebody falls in Christian ministry, because, look, they're just like us. They're hypocrites. But what would it look like as a Christian community to sometimes uh, engage in saying Repentance. Jesus is willing to cleanse us, but are we willing to beg? Because begging for Jesus to cleanse us is confession. It's an acknowledgement that we are unworthy participants in a community unless Jesus does something about it. The good news is, he does. And so, you know, when was the last time that you or I confessed our sins? And maybe there's something, it's so hard, uh, you know, maybe a disagreement with your wife or with a friend, there's been alienation, and you know you need to say it, but it's just so hard to go to it. Well, the good news is you can start with confessing your sins to Jesus because he's willing to cleanse you. And then maybe that will change your heart and work in you that you can go to a pastor or a close friend and then to the person you offended. But be encouraged, as I am every time I read this, hear the good news afresh in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, i.e. if we beg Jesus to cleanse us, you might say, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all our unworthiness. And so in verse 42, it says that the leper was immediately cleansed, immediately. And as the disease visibly <laughs> leaves his body, tears soak his newly restored cheeks because he knows that being, his restored skin means he is now restored to the covenant community. He can come back in. He's welcome. And the reason is because Jesus wants to to do that for him and for us. But it's interesting, uh, you know, the story doesn't stop there. That'd be a nice end to the story. Uh, You know, and then they praise God and Jesus exchanged phone numbers and was like, hey, leper, what's your real name? I've been calling you leper this whole time. Uh, Let's go to Starbucks and grab a coffee and talk. I'll tell you about myself. How you need to trust me. Like, that's not what happens. That would have been a great ending, but the story continues. So the question is, why does it continue? Well, in verse 43, as quickly as he cleanses him, Jesus then commands him. And so if someone heals you and cleanses you, they have the right to tell you what to do. You know, in high school, when I had surgery on my ankle, um, 
I, when I came home from the hospital, I didn't call my high school buddies up. And I was like, hey, guys, I just had surgery. Um, what should I do? How should I recover? They're like, uh, you know, heat nice, maybe play some Halo, relax a little bit. Like, that's, I'm not going to ask my buddies, right? Because they don't know what they're talking about. When you're, when you're healed by somebody, you go to the surgeon. You go to the one who heals you. He knows how to, to tell you how you're supposed to live after that, right? That's the same with Jesus. That when he cleanses us uh, and forgives us of our sins, he has the right to command us. And that's the second way he makes us worthy. And we see that in verse 44, where Jesus goes, um, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. When I first read that, I was like, whoa, Jesus, relax. You just cleansed this guy. This guy can go, you know, hug his wife again. He can throw his kids in the air. Um, he can go to ice cream with his buddies, you know, and after lunch and dinner. Like, what are you doing? Like, relax. That, that's going to be an eight-day journey. That's going to be costly. Why are you going to do that? It, must, it really must have caused the leper's veins to turn ice cold. That in that moment of his joyful cleansing, he's immediately committed. And it's a stern charge. So why? Uh, there's two reasons why Jesus commanded him. The first one's going to go very quickly. For them. For them is one reason, and for us, or for the leper, is why Jesus commanded. For them, uh, there's debate. What does this for them mean as a proof to them? Who's the them? Is it the public community? Is it his family? Is it his friends? Is it is the priests? You know, there's debate. So who am I to be definitive on that? But one thing we can, you know, be certain on is that the for them... Fulfilling the law's commands, which is what the Levitical sacrificial system was at the time. You had to go obey that law. Um, it was for other people. That the point of the leper going and fulfilling the law's demands with the Levitical sacrificial system was to be a visible public marker to the community of this man's cleansing. So that, that's the for them part. We can say that confidently. Now the for us, for the leper. That actually Jesus commands the leper... Tells him to go do that for the good of the leper. It was actually for the leper's benefit. And I can't explain all the cleansing rites from Leviticus 13 and 14. But, you know, it involved three ceremonies. First, he had to take a three-day journey to Jerusalem. That's time. Then uh, three ceremonies. It was eight days long. He had to bring animals. He had to pay for the animals to be sacrificed. There's blood. There's washings. And he still had to live outside the camp for eight more days, even though he was cleansed. Uh, The point is that atonement for cleansing is costly. Like that, that whole ceremony was to teach the leper that his atonement, that Jesus cleansing him was costly. But the payoff, the, the best thing in Leviticus 14, 13, 14, the payoff for a leper being cleansed is on the eighth day where the priest takes uh, blood mixed with oil and he puts it on the, the leper's right big earlobe, his right big thumb and his right big toe. And it was to symbolize the cleansing of the whole person. And then the, leper, the, the priest would take about 12 ounces, about a small, or tall, excuse me, Starbucks cup of coffee, and then would just dump it on the man or on, or on the woman, whoever it was. And oil back then was a cleansing agent. Can you imagine that feeling as that oil drips down this man's eyelids and his nose and his lips, down to his chest and his arms and his legs? And as the oil drips down, it is, is a symbolic rite symbolizing his re-entrance into the covenant community. That everyone saw it, everyone would know, and now he can now participate again in the life of the community. He was now counted clean and worthy. Um, this is captured really, really well in the movie Shawshank Redemption, where 
Andy Dufresne, wonderfully played by Tim Robbins, um, is wrongfully put in prison for the murder of his wife. And prison, of course, in our society is where we think people who are unworthy for our society, that's where we put them, right? So that's where he is. And at the end of the movie, um, he breaks through in, at night during a thunderstorm 500 feet of a sewage line. That's disgusting. And he comes out outside of the prison gates in the middle of the night. There's a thunderstorm. It's raining. And he rips off his shirt and the water is pelting him and he's got a smile on his face. Because he knows that as this water is cleaning him off, cleansing him from that sewage line and washing it downstream, it's also symbolically cleansing him from all those unworthy, unclean days in that prison. Because he is now cleansed and free. That's got to be a little taste of what that leper must have felt like when that oil went down his body. And this would have cleansed the leper of his ritual impurity um, and allowed him to fully re-enter the covenant community's life and worship. And as I said, it, was, it stirred the dual function of a witness to the rest of the community, but also it created a longing in the leper to be back in the community. Eight days long, all this money you have to buy, the animals, the blood, the sacrifice, the washings, it's creating a longing in his heart to be back with God's people. And so as one of my professors, a Levitical scholar, Jay Scalar, said, what the Lord does here by providing ritual cleansing serves as a picture of what he does by providing moral cleansing. That these uh, ceremonial regulations for the leper were actually designed to cleanse his heart. That the public cleansing, you know, the public physical cleansing of him externally was actually to serve the function of cleansing him spiritually and morally inside. And that his command of the leper... This is why I think Jesus commands him so strictly and sternly. Is that his response to that uh, was to reveal the heart of the leper. That, that to tell the leper there's something better than just cleansing you of your, of your, you know, your skin. It's actually to cleanse you of your sin. Um, I just came up with that actually. That was pretty good, skin sin. Um, so our obedience is the only appropriate response after we're cleansed and forgiven. And so uh, he doesn't cleanse us just to do what we want. You know, I had a friend in high school. Uh, no, he was in college, actually. Um, who, he was lactose intolerant, but he loved dairy and ice cream. And so he was willing to forego some of that pain that you get from eating uh, just a little bit of ice cream because he wanted to indulge in the pleasure of dairy so bad. Uh, the pleasure of ice cream. He loved it. And um, it's kind of funny with ice cream, but that's absolutely wrong in relation to sin. Um, we're to keep his commands. Uh, and that's what it says later in 1 John 2. After he says he'll forgive us, he then says, well, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. That part of proclaiming the gospel and the good news is not only telling people that God calls us and forgives us, and he's forgiven me, but also he calls me to walk in a new way. He commands me to live differently. That there should actually be a measurable difference in our holiness. And so, um, and I had to ask myself this this morning, uh, or this week, actually, you know, how are we growing in obedience, in our holiness, and in, in following God and his commandments? Um, not because, you know, it's, uh, it's a killjoy, not because uh, that earns God's love, but actually because that's an appropriate way for human flourishing of how we're supposed to live, because we're connected to Jesus now. There's a certain way we're called to live as God's people. And maybe some of you look back and you're like, man, five, ten years ago, I was really, um, you know, an angry person. 
by God's grace, I still have my moments. Man, there's a measurable difference. You know, that, that's encouraging. You should, you should uh, praise the Lord for that. And maybe some of you are like, man, I'm still the angry cynic I was 20 years ago. Um, and that's discouraging. But the good news is for both of us, for both of those kinds of people, um, that, that even if we uh, do fail and we're not measuring and, and we're not growing in our holiness, that somebody was willing to bear the cost for us. And that, that's actually a good motivator to holiness is that someone has to bear the cost. So, last uh, but definitely not least, the last point is that Jesus is willing to bear the cost for us um, despite our disobedience. He makes us worthy despite our disobedience. Um, we noticed the cleansed man here in verse 45. Notice how he responds. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. And Jesus told him, don't say anything to anyone. And he specifically, explicitly disobeyed Jesus. Now, some scholars and commentators are really nice to the guy. I'm, you know, I'm probably too harsh on him. But like, look, he's just been cleansed. He's telling Jesus, you know, people the good news of what Jesus has done for him. That's a good thing. How can that be wrong? Maybe, maybe a week later he did go do what Jesus said. Um, but, but I'm a little harsher because the text explicitly says, well, but he disobeyed. He actually went and uh, began to talk freely about it, the thing Jesus said not to do. And uh, this is a hunch. It's not exegetically defensible, right? But just because I'm a human being. Uh, one of the reasons I think that the leper did this is because it was a lot easier. It, he was welcomed back into the community. He could have friends again. He could go out for lunch and dinner. People invited him over. He wanted to hug and touch people again. And it was easier for him to tell his buddies about Jesus rather than to obey Jesus with his words, with his actions, excuse me. And in fact... The leper's witness and testimony, I would argue, would have actually been better if in the sacrificial system than by actually proclaiming it to others. Because, as we've talked about, it would tell everybody else that there's a cost to cleansing. And it would have pointed people actually to Jesus in a better way, in my opinion, than just by telling them what he did. Because uh, with cleansing, there's a cost. Uh, the minister, Arthur Dimsdale... he would have benefited from meditating on this passage. You see, uh, Reverend Dimsdale, for seven long years, hid his crime from the rest of that Puritan community. And while Hester Prynne uh, bore the mark physically on her chest of what she had done, um, uh, Arthur Dimsdale, the town uh, priest, the town pastor, the reverend, bore it internally on his chest uh, in a stigma, in a sear and scar of blood. Because he was being physically sick and he was dying because he was trying to bear the cost of his passionate crime with Hester Prynne alone. He never confessed it and no one knew and he was trying to bear it himself. And by the end, seven years later, he's dying on the public square on the town scaffold. And in front of everyone, he finally confesses his sin, that he was the one who got Hester Prynne pregnant. And as he lays there dying, he says to Hester Prynne with his head in her lap, Perhaps God will be merciful to me now. And of course, we know that in Jesus Christ, God is. Because the ultimate way that Jesus makes us worthy is not through uh, the animals, sacrifice of animals, or through oil, but it's actually through his body broken and nailed to a cross, as we sung about this morning. And it's his blood that cleanses us and forgives us. And that's the tragic irony of this whole passage at the very end. 
that the leper's disobedience brought him into the covenant community. But it expelled the one who cleansed him. Because the leper wouldn't obey Jesus, now, as it says in verse 45, Jesus was out in desolate places. You see what happened? In touching the leper, Jesus took on the cost of the disease himself. They switched places. The leper was welcomed in, but Jesus was expelled. And the good news is that uh, for what Jesus did for the leper, he's willing to do for us. That he was actually willing to drag a cross through the covenant community in the town of Jerusalem outside of it. And he was willing to be counted unclean and unworthy on that cross, treated as an adulterer, a liar, a gossiper, a slanderer, somebody unworthy for the community. And we were actually welcomed in and treated as if we were worthy, as if we hadn't done those things. And that cross is where every people from every culture, from every quarter of the globe, it says, from, from Little Rock, Arkansas, this is where we go for cleansing because we need to be forgiven. And Jesus on the cross looks at us and says, I want to. You're worth it. Be cleansed. So let us go again to Jesus for cleansing because he makes us worthy. And let us ask for his help as we try to walk in obedience. And let us remember and be very thankful that as we do this, we can rest in the finished work of Christ on that cross because he made us worthy and he did that already. That's good news. So let us pray. Father, we do thank you for the good news of this passage of how you interact with the leper. God, that you uh, are willing to cleanse us because you want to. You're willing to touch us and forgive us. And God, help us to walk in new obedience for you. And we thank you that you ultimately bear the cost and we can rest in that. We can rest in the finished work of Christ and that you make us worthy and that we're connected to you, that we know you. Man, that is good news. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.